3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past and present of the Kulin Nation, who recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, listeners. You're on Thursday breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. Hello, Rosie. Hello, Malika. Hey, Priya. Good morning. That was a very mellow introduction there, (laughs) Priya. Good morning. I know it was very mellow considering I was like frantic in the seconds before. That's, you know, that's, that's what they pay me for. Um, They don't pay me. not that it's not worthwhile. We love 3CR. Yeah, it is. So what's the day? Today is the 15th of July. 15th of July. We are more than halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on the on the people that have been following whether or not I've bought gloves yet, um, it it is now too warm for me to wear gloves. So I think I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. Over five degrees. Apparently, that's the cutoff. It's a sweet spot. And, and you know, I was actually, I was breaking a sweat this morning riding in. So it's, it's probably fine. I'm breaking a sweat right now. I forgot to take my jacket off, and I am steamy. Yeah, I hope you guys are keeping warm. I mean, it is, uh, I mean, while we're lauding the marginal increase in temperature, it is still pretty chilly out there. Um, so we've got um, a packed show, as usual. A packed uh, show. Yeah, so uh, first up, we're going to hear a speech by Tasnim, and this is from the Free Palestine Rally in Narm that was held on Saturday, the 3rd of July. And I think this speech is still so pertinent and important, um, both because there are evictions still happening in Silwan and Sheikh Jarrah and, um, you know, the, the detention of Palestinian activists and of journalists, um, and also because uh, what Tasnim talks about in this speech around building a movement and ongoing solidarity is just so important um, to, to pay attention to and to keep building on this rather than um, waiting for flashpoints in the media. Mm, absolutely. Uh, then we are going to hear an excerpt of Beyond the Bars at Dame Phyllis Frost Prison. So this is from uh, the Beyond the Bars broadcast last week on 3CR. So Daniel James and Viv Malo present this special broadcast, and this segment features Aboriginal wellbeing officer and recent Order of Australia media recipient Auntie Lynn and Heather, Suzanne and Stacey speak about art, culture and how family visits in the prison have been impacted by COVID-19. We will then be speaking to Slumber Kitty, a genderqueer writer, musician and troublemaker who has been on the Victorian Pride Centre's community reference group and they join us to discuss the opening of the Victorian Pride Centre in St Kilda. And then lastly, we're going to be joined by Flora and Hal from the Community Union Defence League and they join us to speak about the work of Cuddle and their fundraiser Cuddle Puddle which will hopefully be held tomorrow night, Friday the 16th of July at Cafe Gummo in Thornbury from 5pm. And Flora and Hal are both members of the Australian Communist Party and Flora is going to be performing at the event under the name Magnetite Moth. Uh, Now I say hopefully because as you all know, uh, we have cases of COVID-19 back in Victoria, so we really encourage people to keep on top of uh, checking about that um, and really hope that people are out there getting vaccinated if you can. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so um, we might uh, jump into news headlines shortly, but first... (laughs) 
So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong and how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced, Produced by Yan. Um, welcome back, everyone. You're listening to 3CR Thursday Morning Breakfast. Um, and, yeah, just continuing on from what Priya was saying about staying safe with the latest outbreak of COVID in Victoria, just a friendly reminder that um, masks are now mandatory indoors for Victorians aged 12 years and above um, as of today, and also that they must now be worn outdoors unless you cannot be socially distanced. So just keep an eye out for the latest updates. And as Priya mentioned earlier, um, if you can get vaccinated, go check out your options. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so next up on our headla- uh, in headlines, a really devastating story. Uh, Frank Gard Coleman, a 43-year-old Namba man, um, has died uh, on Thursday the 8th of July in Long Bay Correctional Complex. Frank is one of at least 478 Aboriginal people to have been killed in custody and prisons since the Royal Commission into Abor- Aboriginal Deaths in Custody over 30 years ago. Um, and he will be missed and remembered by his ex-partner Sky and his adult children Samantha, Ricardo, Lakota and Dominic, his sister Katrina or Missy and his father Robert. And the family are calling for the coronial inquest to happen swiftly there obviously absolutely devastated um, and are remembering their father as a beautiful, warm and friendly, outgoing person um, and, yeah, are, are saying that, you know, the slow response of coronial inquests and dragging these proceedings out for years and years is just totally unacceptable. Yeah, and just to um, just to contextualise the absolute shamefulness of um, allowing Frank to pass away um, in prison um, is... The fact that in New South Wales, uh, Frank is the sixth person to to die in custody since March this year. It is it is just shocking. It is getting worse, and families are calling for justice. We need to listen. We need to step up. And once again, you know, the prime minister was asked uh, by families who'd lost loved ones in custody if he would meet with them. He still hasn't responded to that call. Yeah. Um, and I guess, oh, actually, we might go into the, the headline from Parkley Prison as well, because I think that links in quite well, Rosie. Yeah, so uh, on Monday, I believe it was, uh, 14 inmates uh, uh, staged a protest at Parkley Prison in Sydney, a private prison, um, demanding, you know, um, changes to conditions there, calling for Black Lives Matter, and they actually spelt out the letters BLM on the roof of the prison. Um, you know, some media has been framing this protest as riots and as uh, related to um, drugs inside the prison or a lack of drug supply, but we know that that isn't what's going on here, and in fact, these uh, prisoners are calling for um, just basic rights and basically to, to be free. They're calling for their liberation and, and to demand that their lives matter, um, that their 
that they're totally over-incarcerated um, Aboriginal people, to completely over-incarcerated in the prison system, and um, it's really, really important to be listening to what is going on. Um, Uncle Ray Finn, a long-time campaigner for First Nations rights and whose son was actually in the prison, has been also speaking out, and I, I'm really pleased to see that this has been reported in some really large media, um, mainstream media, so people should be listening up to that. Um, but he he was speaking about how these inmates were were there calling um, uh, to to show the racism and police brutality um, that is going on in these institutions. Yeah, so definitely, um, yeah, if you can stay tuned and take any action that is being um, requested by, by the young men inside and their families in solidarity with them, that's really important. Um, and finally, uh, we have an update from the university sector. So um, over, this has been developing over the past few days, and no doubt more information will come out soon. But apparently there have been approximately 200 jobs uh, cut at La Trobe University that's just been announced. Um, they're going to hit professional staff the hardest. And, I mean, you know, this I guess for people that aren't familiar with the academic sector, usually when you think about job cuts, you think about academics, um, you know, losing their work. But also professional staff are integral to the actual daily functioning of the institution. Um, and, yeah, casual workers have, again, obviously been sidelined in information that has been distributed about these changes. And um, there was only a two-week consultation period announced about these job cuts. So it's it's really, um, you know, it's just not good enough um, in terms of, like, being a, a severe workers' rights issue that has uh, just come off the back of so many issues that we've seen in the university sector over the past year, and not to mention the failure of government to um, adequately fund the sector. Um, and, you know, Latrobe is, is not alone in this, so there's also um, concerns about other universities as well. Um, UWA, uh, University of Newcastle, I believe, and Adelaide as well. So um, keep an eye out for that. That is sort of developing, um, but solidarity with all of um, the union members that are fighting against this at Latrobe and other universities. Um, you know, you, you deserve justice and you deserve... Um, fair pay for your work and you deserve to be in work yeah yeah Agreed. hi i'm jeffrey i'm alphonse i'm erwin and we, we are, are from, from the voice of west papua tuesday 6 30 until 7 30 p.m news and music from West Papua. You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM, and it is just past 7.11 in the morning. And now we're going to go to a speech by Tasnim, and this was at the Free Palestine Rally in Narm on Sunday, the 3rd of July. woman who is, whose father grew up in Gaza. 
She is a single mother, two children, a long-time Palestinian activist, and also a PhD student. Please give her a warm welcome, everyone. Hi, everyone, and salam. Thank you all for coming out today in solidarity with Palestine. As we know, the ethnic cleansing campaigns are going forward. We've seen that over the past week in Silwan, and there's been no change in decision in relation to Sheikh Jarrah. So the families in Sheikh Jarrah are awaiting the, you know, Israeli ethnic cleansing to proceed. And that gives us every reason to be out here today. What I wanted us to kind of think about and talk about today was in relation to how do we sustain an ongoing Palestine movement in Australia from this settler colony to make sure that we are showing up and we are using everything within our means and every access to power that we have to keep anti-Zionism sustained. The Palestine movement needs to center on anti-Zionism. There are many anti-racist campaigns, refugee rights campaigns here in Australia, but it's our task to ensure that anti-Zionism is also at the forefront of activist movement and, in the, and centered in activist spaces and progressive spaces, of course. We've seen the way that Zionists have tried to smear our chants from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free and position it as an anti-Semitic call against Jews. This is unacceptable. This is our task again, to ensure that our work, our Palestine activism is heard and taken for what it actually stands for, and that is Palestine liberation and Palestinian freedom. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. No one can take that chant away from us, and no one can take away our political demands. So situating anti-Zionism within the struggle against racism is really important, particularly for those of us who are Palestinian or who are from an Arab background or from the MENA region. Um, a lot of anti-racism centers around lived experience, centers around speaking from your own realities, and therefore that's when we participate in activist spaces, this is primarily what we can bring. In the struggle against racism, there's also the struggle against Israeli capitalism and Israeli apartheid. And in the struggle for refugee justice, there's the struggle for the right of return for Palestinian refugees who are still living in urban refugee camps, as most of my family is in Jordan. And in the struggle against the rise of ultra-nationalism and far-right ideology, that's where we can center our anti-Zionism, our fight against one of the most vicious supremacist ideologies in the world today. Another thing I, that concerns me and that I think about is migrant solidarity. Solidarity from migrant communities here in Australia and participation in uh, seeking political change locally. Because for me, there won't be change in terms of Australia's position on Palestine without targeting and addressing the, the way the Australian political system functions. 
When we challenge Labour and Liberal Party on Australian local issues, we also are trying to move them further left and we're trying to move them further towards a radical position. And, that it, and from there we will see change on Palestine. So migrant solidarity for me is not only uniting over shared identities of being indigenous or colonized or non-white, but rather coming together over shared political ambitions and political vision for Australia and for the kind of world we want to see, a world that is free from kind of dominator culture, free from oppressive structural forms of racism. It's important for us to ask what kind of Australia supports Israel? And as we know, it's the kind of Australia that is white supremacist, that is capitalist, that is patriarchal. Shame. It's the kind of Australia that imprisons indigenous people at alarming rates and that does nothing substantial about deaths in custody. And it's the kind of Australia that locks refugees up in mandatory detention that is now almost permanent or is permanent. So that's the kind of Australia that supports Israel. And therefore, for all of us interested in really taking an anti-Zionist position and challenging Israeli apartheid, we have a lot of work to do in terms of strengthening movements here in Australia. When we want to address Albert systems and the trade ties with Israel that are shameful, that the Victorian government, the Dan Andrews progressive Labour government has signed onto, then that will necessitate a challenge to Labour and that will necessitate uh, joining arms with those who are challenging the political system locally. When we want to address academic ties with Israel, that will put us at a risk also as students and as those with university degrees to do a lot of kind of uh, unsettling work at, on campuses that brings Palestine to the centre of academic conversations. And when we want to call for sanctions on Israel, that's not going to happen from a few of us gathering and deciding upon it. It will happen through a strong, fierce political pressure that is applied uh, through grassroots action. So all supporters of Israeli apartheid, for me, and I think most of us agree on this, need to feel a sense of shame and isolation. That is how we will see any kind of change. Political pressure is what will lead to a political solution. And it, we don't want to see a co-opted kind of solution. We want to see change structurally in terms of anti-Zionism, in terms of end of apartheid, and in terms of end of ethnic cleansing campaigns. Similarly, as I mentioned, in terms of indigenous incarceration or refugee mandatory detention, these are all structural forms of oppression. For me, what I do see hope in is training a next generation of activists to carry on the fight. Because as we know, this fight is not going to end overnight. We had a few very strong demonstrations. Today, our numbers look uh, really strong as well and that comes through hard work, consistent effort. 
So when we do see a next generation of activists continuing this fight, that gives me a lot of hope and that helps me see that what we're doing is making an impact. Thank you. You're on 3CR Thursday morning breakfast and that was an interview with Tasnim, sorry, not an interview, a speech by Tasnim recorded at the Free Palestine Rally in Nam on the 3rd of July. And now we're going to go into a song. This one is King Brown by Barker. King Brown. Well, if I'm so toxic, why are you ringing now? You think you're a man, this is my house. I'm sorry, where the fuck is my crown now? I keep it. I just only want my land back to give it. Hey, I'm fucking with my mental because I'm independent. When I left him, he said, go ahead, you regret it. I ain't regret you because look at where Sissy's heading. Booty ma, you don't speak my language. I got signed up because Sissy is so hard to manage. I got a back at that stab, safe and least damage. Got your new dog by checking in. She a fan bitch, but only standard She demanded no respect him Hand lined up at Tenerly Demanding for a check Promise I wouldn't come for him I'm coming for his neck I'm so sorry but it's time to rain down on that bitch Nah, I ain't sorry, ask Maury Who the baby daddy me Tears pouring, sorry baby You can't baby mama me And I'm sitting back yawning Cause I'm living drama free And they keep running back to me Cause Bark is a base King Brown, you ain't fucking with me You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM, and it is about 7.23 in the morning. You just heard King Brown by Barka. Sorry, we should have probably put a language warning before that. Um, but also, I mean, if you don't want to be listening to Barka, un- unfortunately, uh, we we will be playing Barka. So, um, all right, Malika, what do we have up next? Well, um, we are now going to hear an excerpt 
from Beyond the Bars at Dame Phyllis Frost Prison. Daniel James and Viv Marlowe present this special broadcast and the segment features Aboriginal Wellbeing Officer and recent Order of Australian Medal recipient Auntie Lynn. And Heather, Suzanne and Stacey speak about art, culture and how family visits in the prison have been impacted by COVID-19. So we both have painting. We have both have painting for you so guys. Introduce yourselves so again. Who, who, who are we speaking with? Just so we know. Heather and Susan. Suzanne, Suzanne, yep. 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 Sisters. Sisters. So we both got paintings that we wanted to give you guys. Oh really? And this is one. Oh, oh Heather. Yep. Yep. So just I'm going to describe it. We're looking at a, a a square painting, acrylic painting. Yep. Black and blue background with dots, and there's five beautifully coloured turtles, green, blue, red, yellow, and it's dotted out, which is um, from Gowie Way. Yep. So and that's it's my beautiful. first painting. Yes. Well, one of, one of them, one of my first paintings. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I never knew how to paint until I come in here. And you is, know, there, is there a story attached to it? No, not really. I've just had it in my room and, you know... Said to Suzanne, I want to give something to you guys for coming in, doing this with us. Oh, thank you very much. And she's got one too. Just oh, lag me in, what I just put that <laughs> lag and release program, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was meant to sell this painting, but I mean, it just feels like it's right to give it to you guys. Um, heard in one of the Brother Boys songs on NITV plane, and he mentioned no prisons, no slaves, no masters, so. That's pretty much what I put on to canvas. So, Susanna, that is, um, I love it. Yeah, that's real 3CR. Yeah, Yeah. and this one's at the end is the No Masters, where we stand at our doors with our IDs. What we just did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So So it feels like it's right to go. Can you describe what what we're we're looking at? Um, So we've got the three sets of hands. Uh, The first set is the hands on the prison bars. And then the second one is for the no slaves with the hands with the chains breaking. And then the third one, the hand holding our ID. And then the BLM. Wow. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so have you, have you been painting for a while today? Um, I have been for, since I was little, but I never actually put anything onto canvas until I came into prison. Oh. I've got a poem to go with it, but yeah, I can't yeah. read it. That shame job. That yeah, you've got to like, do it. You've got to do it now. I don't know if it's really a poem poem, but like, okay. So, no prison, no slaves, no masters. The darkness in my heart, in my soul, which has led me to prison, of which it was not that before. A slave to the justice system, always in and out of the cells. The masters I endure for times a day, holding my ID. My place has now been made for me. How do I break free from this sadness that wells in me? May God please forgive me for my sins. Please give me the strength and guidance to break this cycle. Help me begin to heal and put this as a memory as far as can be behind me. Yay. So um, two beautiful pieces of artwork and I think um, they're both very 3CR so we're very, 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 very grateful for you for, um, for doing that for us. Um, are you working on any other sort of pieces of artwork at the moment and what sort of direction do you want to take with that? I want to keep it and do it on the outside, mm-hmm. painting. I've sold a lot of, 
quite a few paintings oh, now, good. which is really good. Online, that, through the torch? Yeah, through the torch. So are they, they can help you once you're released yep. to continue that? Yeah, so they'll set us up on the outside with, you know, canvases, paints, paint, whatever we need. So I really look forward to doing it when I get out. There is, I'm aware of some art spaces too, right in Yarra, City of Yarra there. Yep. That are just happening, so could be open soon. And I'm, you know. It's good. It's good to, you know, sit down and actually focus on something and yeah. stay out of trouble. Well, keep an ear out. I mean, if you do, the more you're aware of, the more you can utilise and mm. share that information too. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much. Those paintings are beautiful and they're going to hang proudly. Actually, I think we should put them out in the front of 3CR so anyone walking past yeah. can see all sound. Yep. Deadly, thank you. I guess it's a very, very cathartic thing to do too, but we really, really appreciate uh, you doing that. And thank you for your time. And your poem is a poem. That's really nice. Okay. So keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Susanna. We've got um, someone else in the room. Familiar face. I remember this. Hi, I'm Stacey from Wamba Country. Hey, Stacey. Hi, Stacey. Thanks for um, coming in and joining us. Yeah, my traditional ancestors are Tanarong and Bunarong. And um, I'd like to shout out to Uncle Chock and Annie Ursula. Last year I shouted out to a man, Shane Dom. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he said, I heard you recording and you didn't shout out to us. So uh, I, I love you, Uncle Chock. And, um, yeah, hopefully you'll be at my exhibition. Yeah, when, tell us, exhibition. exhibition. So I've got an exhibition with another ex-prisoner. Her name's Thelma. And it's on the Torch website. It's scheduled for the 24th of July. It's a combined exhibition um, at Coonahan Gallery on Sydney Road. Okay, well, we're going to try and get some more details of that. Yeah. Wonderful, congrats. Thank you so much. I've been working on um, the pieces for about six months. So uh, it's very exciting to have it all done finally and all the paintings just got framed and and photographed so um Thelma and I are in contact every day so she's my deadly sister girl that's why the uh, exhibition's called Sister Sister. So yeah. Thelma's another artist or she's helping you? No she's she another artist yep. she's an ex-prisoner. Yep okay. Yeah so. Wow. I guess the 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 torch project the torch program has been a bit of a revelation for so many people in, in custody across across the state. Um, how, how important is that program in itself to being a motivating factor to actually produce artwork in the first place? Is it a big motivation now that you've got a program like Torch that you can just directly tap into? Definitely, I think so, because I was here for two years and didn't participate in Korea Art. And then um, my sister girl Thelma said, come on, let's go. Torch is having an exhibition. I think just the... That your painting will be displayed is really exciting. So, um, but the torch program has changed my life. So, um, it's allowed me the financial freedom to, um, when I get out, to even purchase a house if I want to. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I've been really successful with the program. And what, what else do you want to do when you get out? Um, I want to continue painting. I want to work on my traditional country, Tanarong country, and because um, I have a cultural heritage certificate from the Trobe Uni, so 
I still want to go back and and um, look for artefacts with archaeologists. That'd be exciting. Yeah. yeah I actually uh, grew up on Tanarong Country in a um, a little town called uh, Yaroa, which is right on the edge of Tanarong Country before it goes into either Waver or Bangarang or Yorta Yorta. Um, mm-hmm. But there is some amazing artefacts on, on that country, and um, so if you ever want some tips and tricks, I I might know a few spots that uh, might be of worth some value to you. But I'm sure Tunnerong Land Council have got that under control anyway. Yeah, of course they have. I oh, shout out to Rodney Monk and um, and Shane. Yeah, the brothers out that way. You got any other shout outs that you want to mention? Um, I can't think of any for now. And like all my family would be like. That witch. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of Uncle Larry because I know the Tunnerong officers. Oh, yes, Uncle Larry. And he lives, he yes. lives up there, yeah. Yeah, um, shout out to Uncle Larry and um, yeah. his daughters, yeah. Deadly Stacey. Thank you. So, so the much July the 4th, I'm definitely going to, yeah, look into that. Please come and I'll be to. online as well. So um, you can purchase art online from the 24th. Yeah. And I'll make sure. Yeah, Uncle Talja, my nurse, got that info as well. I'll bring oh, yeah, them up. definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a letter from him the other day, so, um, yeah, him and Aunt Ursula are doing well. Having their own exhibition soon. Yeah, and he's got a couple of things. Yeah. He's a real inspiration and a warrior soldier. He is. For our people, yeah, love him. Yeah, growing up, he used to be like, um, who's the greatest? I'm the greatest, Uncle Chuck, because he's my great-uncle being my grandfather's brother. Yeah, so I'll say you're always the greatest, yeah. So he's too deadly. I love Uncle Chuck. Cool. He's a regular on 3CR, you know. We've got buttons there we push, just push and then you hear you <laughs> tell them some words of wisdom, yeah. Here on 3CR 855am or 3cr.org.au, you're listening to the Beyond the Bars broadcast from Dane Phyllis Frost Centre. Now, Stacey. I believe that um, you have some information on someone that, that works here that you would like to share with us and the listeners. So, Annalyn received a great honour. Annalyn, why don't you tell us all about it? Because we're so excited for all your hard work that you've been doing for us for over 20 years. It was the Order of Australia um, Award. So, yeah. <laughs> Kept that one well, I have point. to say, it cannot be done without all the people you work with, all the staff, corrections and everybody else and especially the girls and everything for giving me the opportunity to work with each and every one of them because nothing like this can be achieved if if I haven't had that opportunity. So thank you to everybody. Stacey, what what does aunt's work mean to, to the women that are here? Well, um, personally, what Annalyn means to me is um, when I first come to prison, I had an eight-hour bus trip here, and I got here at eight o'clock at night, and Annalyn stayed behind and made sure she was there for me when I come through the gates. And, um, yeah, it was, it was good seeing an auntie here waiting for me to support me, and uh, it meant the world to me because I, I was terrified when I got here. So um, thank you, Annie Lynn, for all them years ago. That's what you do. Yeah, <laughs> being there for me. But Annie Lynn's contribution to the jail is um, no one can replace her. She has lots of um, sidekicks, <laughs> Miss Philip and... Um, yeah, we're starting and, to get a few on board yeah. now, so which is great and... 
I've got I had originally when I started out I had a few officers that were great well ab- Aboriginal liaison officers for us and everything so Colleen and Trish and Dean and them they were really great we trained them up and they got a good rapport with the women and now we've got a few more other people on board which is excellent so yeah and well, that's what we said before we're teaching them all so as we can get the job done properly do you have a chance to um, meet and network with other liaison officers from other prisons on a regular basis not all the time um, especially with the COVID being on but most of us keep in contact um, through the Yellum and stuff like that and everything when you can although you get too busy to sit to do Zooms all day yeah. Um, but yeah when we can we try and get together somewhere where we can all just have a coffee or something like that and have a yarn about um, what's going on at their place it doesn't happen that often yep. but um, when it does it's good but with the COVID being on everything's at a standstill so, Stacey, I guess a question for you. Like, when you know, um, you've got obviously got a great good relationship with Aunt. Yeah. What, what what is it like when you don't have a good relationship with someone? Say, there's someone there that you, you, know, you don't have a choice about. Is there dynamics there that can be troublesome, and how would you deal with that? I guess it 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 feels like that mentality. It's them against us, and there's no one there to back us, and. Um, so there's, there can be situations um, where it can be quite difficult when Annie Lynn's not around because it just can't get sorted out. Annie Lynn comes in, puts her foot down, <laughs> says, this the way it is, and it gets done, you know. So it's really hard when Annie Lynn's not here. So that's a big part of your job, um, is keeping that, the, everything... You've got to keep the calm between everybody, you know. And like I said, it's teaching everybody. And these girls know if they muck up, I'm going to go off. (laughs) I don't sit back and say, don't be naughty. (laughs) They know they're in for it. But, yeah, but they're a brilliant bunch. And like I keep saying, we're like a little family. Um, I love them as much as they like me, so... We love you, Arnie. We're working together. Have you ever had an opportunity, I'm just looking at Noah here, an opportunity from babies that were born maybe 20 years ago to sort of... Sorry? Do you catch up with any babies that you were in touch with from the past that were from yeah. the prison? Yeah. And see them as grown-ups? That must be a scare. Yeah. It's, it? it's the greatest thing of all. Yeah. I've been to 13, 14 Indigenous births and everything since I've been here and now you see them growing up. It's sad when you see them coming in too, but... You know, there's um, like I said before, there's things out there that are happening that are out of our control. Um, but when you see the ones that are really doing well, it's worth every penny, you know. And it's just teaching everybody. We learn. I learn from these girls as much as what I try to teach them. So. <laughs> You agree, yeah, Noah. <laughs> You're not coming back, are you, Noah? <laughs> uh, Stacey, how important is culture in a place like, like this? You know, how, how important is it connecting with, with your sisters and, and, and your fellow, uh, fellow inmates and, and women? How, how does that help you get through being in a place like this? Well... 
it makes me feel human when I'm in, t- in touch with my sister girls and um, when we have gatherings and cultural events. Um, my jail would be really hard if I didn't have cultural events that Anilin puts on for us every year. So keeping connected to community through um, cultural events. I always see and meet um, people from community at these events, which, um, which warms my heart because I know I've still got a community to go out to when I leave here. Have you got any questions for us about the outside world at the moment in this COVID crazy pandemic place that we're in? Um, I was wondering, how does the Indigenous community feel about the um, the jab? Well, that's, I, don't, I can speak for the whole community. I, I think there are some that have gone ahead, and there's some that haven't. But um, I know a lot of the, the I don't know about the numbers. A lot of the achos around the place are running really strong uh, vaccination programs that are being taken up pretty well, I, I, I believe. But in terms of the way people feel about getting them, I, I couldn't. It's only a, it's an individual thing. Mm. I couldn't really um, tell you what other people think about it. But I can tell you that um, uh, Viva and myself are both fully vaccinated. Mm. Um, it's an individual thing. I think of it as a collective thing as well. Yeah. Do have to con- it's about yeah everyone. But, but what I'm not a doctor, so I won't speak too much. Okay. About it. But how do you feel? Like, have yeah. you? How do I feel? Um, I feel like I need to have it done. For the common cause, yeah. So um, I don't want there to be any restrictions around seeing my children or um, visits because that's a really big thing for us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. What we, what we do know also is that there have been very, very few cases of COVID within the Aboriginal community, particularly here in Victoria, because I think... We do such a good job of uh, looking after ourselves and we have all these you know, tremendous health services across the state that have been really good at making sure that people get tested and um, uh, are aware of what we're supposed to do in terms of you know, you know, mask wearing and the like. Has COVID um, been... How much of an added burden has COVID been in here for, for, for you in terms of dealing with it? Um, so we usually have an event called Sisters Day In every year and so we haven't been able to have that for the last two years um, and there's lots of restrictions around property and visits like I have court ordered visits with my daughter and they can't go ahead because of COVID restrictions um, but I'm, we're all in the same boat here you know so um, but Corrections doing a great job in doing Zooms for our, with our children and um, an extra phone credit so that we can um, stay in touch with our families. Um. Do kids, um, you know, when you separate from children, do, is there support for them on the outside? Is there enough support? Um, Personally, I don't feel that my family has enough support, but um, there'd be a lot of children right now during school holidays stuck at home, not being able to go anywhere or do anything. Yeah. What sort, yeah. Of, what sort of added supports would you like to see for the kids? Um, well, there used to be a, um, a support group called uh, Prison Network here 
run by Christian volunteers and um, they used to have camps for um, inmates' children every year. So um, to see stuff like that happen again would be really good. Yeah. It sounds like something, you know, really positive. And they're not big things, I'd imagine, if we got, you know, yeah... Yeah, they're, not, they're, so not, they're, not, they're not big programs, but no. they can go a long way to, to solving any sort of future future issues down the track to try and break the cycle a, a little bit. And again, another way of getting kids in touch with their culture as well, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Earth Greetings have been making sustainable beautiful since 2003. Their 100% recycled cards plastic-free stationery and earth-friendly gifts are made in Australia with the lightest possible planetary footprint. Shop online at earthgreetings.com.au or at one of over 500 stockists Australia-wide. Earth Greetings is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM and is just coming up to 7.45 in the morning. And it is the 15th of July again. How is it the 15th of July? Um, you just heard an excerpt of Beyond the Bars at Dame Phyllis Frost Prison, which has been presented by Daniel James and Viv Malo. And it's a special broadcast which featured Aboriginal wellbeing officer and recent Order of Australia medal recipient Auntie Lynn and Heather, Suzanne and Stacey, who all spoke about art, culture and how family visits in the prison have been impacted by COVID-19. And now... Uh, Oh, sorry. And Beyond the Bars uh, played during NADOC week. So that was last week, July 5th to 9th, 2021. And if you want to go back and listen, you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash Beyond the Bars. Um, there's the whole collection of uh, special broadcasts that came out of Dame Phyllis Frost Center, Barwon Prison, um, Fulham Correctional Center, Lawton Prison, Marguerite Correctional Center and Port Phillip Prison as well. So we really encourage people to go back and listen. And there is a physical CD copy that's usually available um, um, a couple of weeks down the line as well. So keep an eye out for that too. And um, now we're going to go into an interview that Rosie did earlier this week with Slumber Kitty, who's a genderqueer writer, musician and troublemaker who has been on the Victorian Pride Center's community reference group. And they joined Rosie to discuss the opening of the Victorian Pride Center in St Kilda. You're on 3CR Thursday Breakfast. Up next, we're speaking to Slumber Kitty, a genderqueer writer, musician and troublemaker who has been on the Pride Center's community reference group. Today, they're joining us to discuss the opening of the Victorian Pride Centre in St Kilda. Welcome, Slumber Kitty. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you so much for joining us. So, uh, the Victorian Pride Centre officially opened on Sunday the 11th of July in a new purpose-built building on Fitzroy Street in St Kilda. Could you let listeners know how the Pride Centre came to be and what its purpose is? Yeah, well, the Pride Centre, the idea of Pride Centres is... um uh, you know, occurs um, in other places in the world, but this is the first time in Australia um, that a Pride Centre idea has been floated. And, I mean, it's primarily a way, sort of like offices, to house LGBT NGOs and organisations. Um, so it kind of solves a number of problems um, for those organisations, you know, where they might be housed and also co-locating them together in the one space has a lot of um, 
benefits, obviously. Um, and it's all kind of tied into their funding structures. These are, you know, government-funded organisa- organisations that receive some amount of government funding. So, um, yeah, but more broadly than just office space for LGBT NGOs, Pride centres are, you know, aspire to be community spaces where mm. um, sexually and gender diverse people can come together, not just access services, but have space where there's events, where you can um, meet, where you can gather um, and act as sort of like a hub um, for many different things. And that's the way, you know, some pride centres do function that way. Mm, I mean, that sounds like a really uh, noble and important, um, you know, idea. Um, but I was re- watching some of the news clippings and videos online of the launch event um, in preparation for this interview, and it was quite hard to avoid the kind of corporatized language of the rainbow sector, so to speak. Um, and obviously it's important that queer orgs and communities have uh, space to meet and um, secure uh, tenureship. I was just wondering, you know, if there is there a risk of queerness being packaged up in a very... I suppose, neoliberal or corporate box um, in, a, in a project like this? Or is that too pessimistic an outlook? Um, I don't think it's pessimistic at all. I think it's very realistic. It, it, there's definitely a risk of that happening, and it does happen, and it is happening um, with regards to the, the Victorian Pride Centre. Um, and, you know, there's many needs in the LGBTIQA plus community. For example, housing healthcare, mental health services, um, and also just more broadly um, liberation from homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, all this kind of social structures that are embedded within institutions, including LGBT organisations, um, and particularly, you know, government, mm. different levels of government. And so, you know, one problem with the Pride Centre is it's kind of come from um, state government um, and its whole kind of structure and purpose is really built out of the funding that the Victorian state government made available and the land that they were able to secure within um, St Kilda and that's kind of really its its goals and purposes are built out of those things. Um, so of course it's going to, you know, be prioritising its role as sort of offices for LGBT organisations um, and services. And some of the other um, potential functions of Pride Centre have sort of fallen by the wayside as um, as it's been developed and designed. Mm. Yeah, that's. That is interesting, like that, yeah, there's still space and meeting space for um, community organising and things, but it does seem, at least from looking at their website, that the central um, the central kind of promise of the this, this Victorian Pride Centre is this bringing of these kind of um, bigger organisations into one space and what that might be able to do. I was um, also aware that Dan Andrews was part of the launch of the centre, um, and obviously uh, this lends itself well to his image as a progressive premier. I was wondering if um, the opening of the Victorian Pride Centre is in part um, an attempt by this government to generate good
good PR around uh, the LGBTIQA plus community. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and it's 100% um, you know, Vic- Victorian Labor Party going for the pink vote, going for the rainbow vote, uh, going for the progressive vote. And, you know, we've seen that throughout the whole design process of the Victorian Pride Centre. It's extremely friendly process to the Labor Party. The community reference group, you know, was has been extremely friendly to Victorian Labor Party. And there's been, you know, several opportunities, um, public relations opportunities made available that benefit the Victorian Labor Party and elected politicians like Dan Andrews, Martin Foley, um, the Equality Minister, Martin Foley. And, you know, that is really concerning. It's like, at some point, you have to ask the question, how much of this Pride Centre is actually about liberating LGBT people from homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, etc., and giving us what we are demanding and what we need? Or how much is the Pride Centre functioning as this kind of public relations tool to benefit a political party and the political careers of certain people? And obviously there's overlap there, you know, it's it's good um, that LGBT organisations um, can secure ongoing funding, can be co-located together, get brand new um, office spaces. Um, all of these things, you know, um, can be beneficial. So there's some overlap there, but I think we do need to be asking really important questions about what are the priorities here? Why have certain things been prioritised over other things? And why has there been you know, so many great PR opportunities created for the Victorian Labor Party and elected representatives, while other concerns have been, you know, sidelined or ignored. Mm. And I can imagine, um, I mean, I don't want to speak for your experience on the community reference group, but that that kind of experience can be one where you're putting forward, you know, what are genuine concerns of the community and those things can be then sidelined for um, a different agenda, I suppose. Yeah, and the the process that the community reference group went through was really quite corporate, quite um, formal, and, you know, while they did manage to assemble... Um, a pretty good group, a pretty representative group of um, sexually and gender diverse people. Um, And at certain points, we were able to have some really good discussions about important issues, and um, some concerns were able to be raised. Um, So that's great, but you actually have to do something with that. Mm -hmm. A community reference group can't just be a forum where some concerns can be raised and then they just get put on the shelf and nothing really happens. Or, okay, we'll deal with this thing and this thing, but all those other things, that's too hard. Or that's too, you know, doesn't align with the um, goals of the power, the political power that's behind the Pride Centre. Um, especially if you start critiquing, you know, the, the friendliness um, with the Victorian Labor Party and these PR opportunities and the Pride Centre being used essentially as like a political an electoral vehicle, um, then it's like, well, no, 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 you can't, you know, we we have to give the politicians their PR platform 
and let them use it in this way because um, they're the ones who have allocated the money for it in the budget. So, yeah, there, there were lots of concerns um, that were entirely sidelined or ignored and important discussions that should have happened that didn't happen and all the things that just were never acted on. And I think it's a real shame because there was a great group of people brought together. Um, and if, if the community reference group was given more power, was listened to, if concerns were acted on, um, you know, the Pride Centre would be better. Mm. It would be a better thing. And maybe it would be, it would look very different. And maybe that would be, you know, much more beneficial to sexually and gender diverse people, even if it may have been less beneficial to politicians. Yeah, this $5 million towards a new and improved um, Pride March to happen in Fitzroy and Collingwood is just so extremely bizarre when, you know, you consider that there are some really urgent material needs that sexually and gender diverse people have on the ground around healthcare, around housing, around so many things. Um, you know, that $5 million could be better spent elsewhere. You know, we don't need a government-funded protest. Like, protests should be totally out of the government's control, um, pushing them to put, you know, $5 million into housing. There's not enough crisis accommodation or public housing available for um, queer and trans people to access in Victoria at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, kind of what you're commenting on there as well with... Like, it's not just, obviously, it's really important that there's a, um excellent reference group that's representative of community, but, you know, if it's, tr- if you try and fit those people into a kind of corporate process, then, um I mean, that process as a way of, of doing its thing and having its own kind of setting the, a particular path and allowing and disallowing, uh, certain kind mm. of discourse. And one example that might be useful to mention is the issue of police. Mm. And the, the involvement of Victoria Police, you know, what is their relationship to the Victorian Pride Centre? And that was always going to be a contentious, a contentious issue. And there was, you know, disagreement, um, even within the community reference group about that. But generally, um, you know, it was accepted that, oh, we should try and minimise the extent to which Victoria Police have a presence at the Pride Centre because obviously the presence of police is going to make um, that space inaccessible to the most marginalised sexually and gender diverse people Mm. who might be wanting to access services and use that space and feel safe to be there. Um, But once you, you know, some of the discussions that were had is like, well, you know, I mean, me personally, I was advocating for a space in which police were not allowed to enter, you know, unless there's, perhaps unless there's an emergency and someone's life is in danger, police have no place at the Pride Centre. Um, but that, you know, is considered an extreme position, um, mm. even though it's something that would make the Pride Centre more accessible. Yeah, I was just wanting to finish on, yeah, like thinking about the Pride Centre and um, 
sexually and gender diverse communities. I'm wondering if you could speak to perhaps what a community space um, should or could look like that would really centre um, those people who yeah, are marginalised and just genuine, um, I guess, community desires. What, what, would, what do we want to hold on to, I suppose, in, in those spaces? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be different for everyone, but I think one thing that might tie a lot of people's interests together is that, you know, the Victorian Pride Centre should be a community-controlled space. You know, if government wants to allocate some funding to construct a building to, you know, fund services in it, etc., that's fine. That's great. You know, it should be, it should be putting up the, the money for this sort of stuff. But there should be no strings attached, mm. no PR opportunities, no, you know, bending the, the goals and the aims and the purposes of, of this space. Let the community have full control over it. You know, it's not a political football to kick around and try and win some more votes with. It's like people's lives. And a space like a Pride Centre can be um, life-changing or life-saving for people. Like, it's not a thing to toy around with. The community should have control over that space. Um, and there's many different ways that, that you could do that and many different ways that could look. Um, but that would be a, a first thing. And mm. also not um, demanding that the Pride Centre be financially sustainable, you know, and treating it like a business, which is the situation that the Pride Centre looks like it's going to be put in, you know, like it's going to have to lease out um, space within the private, within the Pride Centre to private companies, like the restaurant, for example, um, who'll pay rent, and that is factored into the whole kind of business model, when it's like, wait a second, this shouldn't be a business, it should be a community space. Mm. You know, the government should just be paying for as much of it as is possible. The only thing I'd add is um, to that what should it look like is that people, that everyone should feel like they are able to access that space, mm. particularly marginalised sexually and gender diverse people. So injecting drug users, um, homeless people, rough sleepers, um, sex workers, uh, poor people, poor LGBT people, generally. Um, these are the, the communities, the people within our community that need to be centred and prioritised um, rather than police or, you know, a big NGO or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when, when the most marginalised amongst us feel like we can access um, these kinds of spaces, then maybe they're we can say they're starting to function as they should be functioning. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> really basic level. yeah, that is a really um, important and beautiful place to end. So thank you so much for joining me today. You're on 3CR Thursday breakfast, and just then we were hearing a conversation that I had with Slumber Kitty, a genderqueer writer, musician, and troublemaker, who was on the Victorian Pride Centre's community reference group, and they were just talking about the opening of that centre in St Kilda. And I really appreciated their analysis of uh, of the centre and how, yeah, just like where we should be focusing um you know, these kind of community spaces, how we should be focusing on, like, who we're servicing and how we should be focusing that, and just a really important 
important issue. Um, but the centre's important, but also, you know, it matters how it's, how it's rolled out and how it's functioning. Um, and now we are going to go into a song. This one is Brand New by Makisha. Shouldn't be feeling this way But you came in my life and opened my eyes You made me feel some type of way I cannot describe, I'm writing these lies Cause truth is I ain't got no clue What it is to be loved or be someone's boo I'm only praying that it's you I'm hanging around cause you make me feel new Like old times, wish we could rewind You make me feel new Stop wasting my time, come and be mine You make me feel new Like old times, wish we could rewind You make me feel new Sometimes I feel you don't see me For all that I am and all that I've done I don't mean to sound petty But I'm deserving more, you promised me more Cause truth is I ain't got no clue What it is to be loved or be someone's boo I'm only praying that it's you I'm hanging around cause you make me feel new Like old times, wish we could rewind You make me feel new Stop wasting my time, come and be mine You make me feel new Like old times, wish we could rewind You make me feel You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM, and that was Brand New by Makesha. Um, so just a reminder about the uh, COVID restrictions that have come into place again. Uh, masks are now mandatory indoors and also outside if you are unable to socially distance in Victoria. And um, as we've seen, there's been an increase in cases. So 
people really need to be pretty vigilant. Um, make sure you can stay on top of social distancing, hand washing, sanitizing, and wearing your mask. And also um, make sure to check the Victorian State Government's uh, Department of Health um, website at, to make sure that you're on top of yeah the latest news. Um, get vaccinated if you can and. Um, yeah, we got to limit the spread of this variant because we don't want to go into vac- uh, into lockdown again. But I guess we'll find out at the at the presser later today. Um, yeah, so you're on Thursday breakfast, 3CR 855 AM. It is just coming back, uh, just coming up to eight past eight in the morning. Um, and we're going to head to another interview soon. But I think we might jump into another song first. But before that... The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. You're on Thursday breakfast and we're going to jump into another track. This is Kashmir by TK Meza. Yeah. 
I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. Tuesday, 6.30 until 7.30 p.m. News and music from West Papua. They're pulling on the boots in Brazil and wiping off the eggshells in Moorabbin. Fascism's on the march and we say, yeah, nah. Yenar Passaran is a new weekly program on 3CR dedicated to tracking this rise in Australia, Aotearoa and all around our increasingly warm little globe. Every Thursday at 4.30pm, we'll be talking to writers and fighters about some angry blighters. Good morning, you're back here on 3CR Thursday Morning Breakfast. Um, we just heard that awesome track by TK Myself, Kashmir. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think Rosie mentioned a very pertinent um, album name. It was Last Year Was Weird, Volume 3. Um, yeah, which is, I think, you know, what else is there to say? And um, now we are joined by Flora and Hal from the Community Union Defense League, who are joining us to speak about the work of Cuddle and their fundraiser, Cuddle Puddle. Hey, Flora and Hal. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Thursday Morning Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having us. Um, sorry, well, you're a bit quiet. Could you um, uh, maybe come a little bit closer to the mic on your phone? Yeah, no problem. Ah, perfect. I can hear you now. Um Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Thursday, Brecky. Um, and maybe when we, uh, just to, to start off, could you uh, tell us a little bit about the origins of the Community Union Defence League? So when did you form and what spurred this? And I, I mean, either of you can take this. Uh, yeah, I can take this. Um, Cuddle formed out of the Communist Party in Sydney quite a while back now. Uh, the objective was really to engage with communities on the ground. Um, they felt that a lot of leftist organizing and they were really involved if but were already on the left. So just to actually meet people where they were in their communities. 
Uh, in Melbourne, the Australian Communist Party, which we're both from, started up the Cuddle Liberty Kitchen around December 2019, which uh, moved around a bit, uh, settled at Big State Library from 3 to 6 p.m. every Sunday in early 2020, uh, then started the Saturday, Saturday Dance Down Kitchen uh, every, in August 2020. Both kitchens run every week. Uh, we distribute cooked meals, tea and coffee, clothes, toiletries, blankets, books, uh, other essential items. And, yeah, the kitchens, uh, they're not just about handing stuff out. We're trying to build connections with people, talk about communism with people who might otherwise never be in spaces where they're likely to encounter those kind of ideas. Yeah, fantastic. And, um you know, I've, I've been following your social media for a while and you can really see um, there's been a lot of on the ground presence um, handing out those essentials and making sure that people actually get a feed, um, which has been, I guess, something we've seen more of in terms of the, the growth of mutual aid networks um, as government has, has failed to provide for people during uh, especially the longer lockdowns. Um, yeah. So could you take us through um, a bit about the sort of overall like guidance and, and people that participate in Cuddle, but also people that access support? Um, yeah. So Cuddle is um, we're, we're like a volunteer group. So we're, we get a lot of younger people as well, which is really good. Um, so the street kitchens um, that run every weekend, like the most sort of forward-facing thing that we do, um, but we've got a lot of other stuff. Like we're involved with a lot of other grassroots community organisations. We've been doing a lot of work with Husk lately, for example, um, who run a... Um, uh, we've been participating in like a garden care thing with them. Um, we've done a lot of sort of community-led eviction, stuff like that. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) You're right. Um, Yeah, we've tried to provide a lot of material support to different uh, campaigns over the years, which is a big part of what we want to do. Um, Yeah, like working with Husk, working with shot that knock and uh, an front line medics a few weeks back to get uh, items out to people in the outer east who are affected by the storms, for instance. Mm. Um, when we had the hard lockdown in the towers, uh, we did a fair amount of work with some people from Rahu to get another community group there, like AMSA, uh, AMSA-led effort to get needed supplies to people. Um yeah, we're hoping to start up a tutoring program in Southeast sometime this year and just generally always looking to develop new programs based on what community actually needs. So uh, that's how we're hoping to engage with people, really. Yeah, awesome. Um, um, and I, I think I'm really interested in the sort of operating principle of solidarity, not charity, um, under that underpins the, the work of Cuddle. And I'm wondering if you could maybe go into how that um that principle and the work that you do diverges from, you know, the the more um, corporatized NGO sector outreach. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. So I guess um, one of the key differences is our aim. We don't want Cuddle to be like a forced acting, like a holy savior kind of, you know, the privileged 
meaning to help the impoverished and expecting them to be grateful. Um, we want to organise and empower uh, working-class people themselves to help each other. Um, so not something transactional, but done in the spirit of solidarity, uh, goal, with the goal of like, like it's rebuilding the organising power of the working class itself. Um, we're also, yeah, like obviously anti-capitalist. Um, fundamentally believe that overthrowing capitalism is the only way to, you know, achieve the society we're after, one where working people actually have their needs met. Um, and the NGO charity model obviously doesn't <laughs> doesn't believe that, mm-hmm. doesn't undermine the capitalist social order, uh, reinforces those hierarchies. But, um, you know, we believe to make any real change. We need to, as working classes, the people be able to organise and act collectively, and we need to be able to support each other when uh, forces of capital attack us, which is another key part of what we want to achieve. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, just um, emphasising there the the idea that um, it's not about um, – providing a a service in a top-down kind of way, but more in terms of organizing within communities and getting people activated and thinking about their own material conditions and how they can work with, with other members of their community, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, of course, this, um, this can't happen uh, with no financial support. So Cuddle has a fundraising event. Um, fingers crossed that it's still going ahead. I know we're still waiting for um, COVID instructions, but Cuddle Puddle is scheduled for tomorrow night. Um, and what's on for the night and what's your goal? Yeah, we <laughs> hopefully it's on. Um, we'll have to see how things go. Uh, fingers crossed, you know, put a... A fair amount of work into it. We've got a really amazing lineup set. Um, lots of solid comrades performing. Um, you know, we're excited to be doing our first fundraiser show at Cafe Gummo, which, like, is obviously a really fantastic community for the radical left mm. in Melbourne to have. Really fantastic venue for us to all have available. Um, and they've been really lovely to work with. Yes, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, I guess the biggest goal is really just to, is to raise money because uh, there's a lot of stuff we want to do and there's a lot of stuff we do and it's sadly it does all cost money and we don't receive any government or corporate funding. We're fully funded through donations and contributions from members, which unfortunately means that like a lot of the time we don't have much to go on. Um, so we want to be able to sustainably cover the cost of all the programs that we currently have going and ideally also expand into new ones as well, mm. which means, yeah, um, increasing ongoing funding as you as you guys probably appreciate as an organisation relying <laughs> on donations and volunteers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where can people find out more information about the event and more about Cuddle, but also um, maybe this is a good time to plug where people can donate even if they can't attend the event? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so you can go to our website, which is www.cuddle.org.au, that's C-U-D-L, um, to find out more about us. You can sign up to the rosters there, um, and you can donate there as well. Um, I've also got a Facebook page, which you can find if you search for Community Union Defence League Melbourne, and an Instagram, which is at Cuddle Melbourne. 
um, yeah, just if you message us or email us or any of those, you know, um, please do get in touch if you're interested in finding out more. Uh, you can also come by the kitchen, which uh, 3 to 6 p.m. at Dangnong Plaza every Saturday and 3 to 6 p.m. at Big State Library every Sunday. Um, we will still be running those. We do still run those through lockdown and essential service, but um, hit us up if you're interested to get involved if we do go into hard lockdown rather than just rocking up, probably. Um, in terms of Cuddle Puddle, yeah, um, the, if it does go ahead, there'll be limited capacity, so uh, do come early. If you're planning on coming along, uh, doors are at five. Yeah, I really do hope that it goes ahead because it is, I mean, it's also just such um such such an important thing to have um, spaces for joy and creativity um, amongst, you know, the organizing and the sort of grinding grunt work of um, making sure that people have the resources that they need because, you know, you need to have those moments of, of levity as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, we were we're really looking forward to having that fun night with with all our comrades. So, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah, well, I really, really hope that it goes ahead. And for um, people that aren't able to attend or people that just want to support anyway, um, head to, to Cuddle's social media, to their website, um, and, you know, get involved. This is, this is about getting invested in your, in your local communities and, and turning away from, uh, I guess, or turning away from and resisting the, the ravages of capitalism. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Awesome. Take care. And that was Flora and Hal from the Community Union Defense League who joined us to speak about the work of Cuddle and their fundraiser Cuddle Puddle, which is hopefully going to go ahead tomorrow, Friday the 16th of July at Cafe Gummo in Thornbury from 5 p.m. And Flora and Hal are both members of the Australian Communist Party and Flora is hopefully going to be performing at the event under the name Magnetite Moth. Um, now, we really encourage you to, to look up Cuddle, that's C-U-D-L, Community Union Defense League, um, on their website, on Facebook, on other social media, because uh, they do take donations. They are not funded by government. They are not funded, you know, by any major corporate partners or anything like that. It is a community grassroots movement, and they've been doing really excellent work making sure that people are fed and clothed and have essential supplies, especially during the lockdowns. Um, so, yeah, you know, try and chip in donate if you can but they're also uh, they've also got options to sign up as a volunteer so get invested in your local community um so i think we're coming up to the end of the show guys um it's been it's been a big one as usual um do you want to take us through a bit of a rundown on what we've uh, what we've talked about today Absolutely. So first off, we heard a speech by Tasnim from the Free Palestine Rally that happened in Nam on Saturday, the 3rd of July. We then heard um, an expert off Beyond the Bars at Dame Phyllis Frost Prison. Daniel James and Viv Marlow present this, presented the special broadcast, and in this segment it featured Aboriginal Wellbeing Officer and recent Order of Australian Medal recipient Auntie Lynn, as well as Heather, Suzanne and Stacey, who speak about art, culture and how family visits in the prison have been impacted by COVID-19. And then after that, we heard from Slumber Kitty, who's a genderqueer writer, musician and troublemaker who's been on the Victorian Pride Center's community reference group. And they joined us to discuss the opening of the Victorian Pride Center in St. Kilda and raised some really, really important insights about who this work is for and who can actually access this space. 
And finally, just then, we heard from Flora and Hal from the Community Union Defence League, and they were joining us to discuss the work of Cuddle and also their fundraiser, Cuddle Puddle, which, fingers crossed, will be going ahead tomorrow night, Friday the 16th of July, at Cafe Gummo in Thornbury from 5pm. Um, now, just another reminder about uh, the Victorian government's health guidelines. Um, so masks are now mandatory indoors and also outside if you're not able to socially distance. Um, so make sure that you've got a mask on you, you're sanitizing, you're keeping your social distance um, and getting vaccinated if you can. And uh, more information is available via the Victorian government's website. Yeah, also important as well, just to stay on top of exposure sites because there are increasing numbers of exposure sites. So you can find that at coronavirus.vic.gov.au forward slash exposure dash sites. And I just wanted to do a final pl- plug for Beyond the Bars. The rest of the Beyond the Bars audio is available on 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Um, you can hear yeah recordings from every day of the week last week during NADOC week from the Beyond the Bars broadcast. And I really, really highly recommend that you go and listen to some of that really great content. Yeah, I think it's one of the one of the really special things that 3CR is able to do is actually go um, and speak with people that are incarcerated and amplify their voices. And I think that's just, yeah, one of the amazing things that, that 3CR is able to do as a station. So please, please go listen and buy the Beyond the Bars CD when it's available. There's one every year. Yeah, I think it's actually free, even. Is it free? Yeah. Oh, well, you don't have to buy it. But you should get it. Um, yeah, 20 years on the air beyond the bars, which is really amazing. So I think, is that all we have time for this morning? I think we're almost there. Um, so, yeah, I think um, thank you so much again for tuning in to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. And we will speak to you next week. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop. Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.